Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. follow-up follow-up right away sure well that's where it begins <laughs> right wow. begin the show talking about the previous <laughs> ones uh i there was a note in our apple note that just said the u.s red nose and i had to do what i felt was a pretty significant amount of googling to try and find <laughs> the red nose day nose for the u.s Whoa. like i could find the website comic relief but then it was like, hey, you can buy them mm-hmm. at Walgreens. You could click through to Walgreens. Walgreens hasn't got any information about it. I ended up finding like a box, like an entire $60 box that you can buy yeah. um, on the Walgreens website for mm. what is just a foam red cloud nose. Yeah. Like you guys need to find an inspirational designer that you can give a like some kind of knighthood to or whatever you call it. <laughs> we don't have those. And get something good going on. <laughs> we don't have anything like the that. The president gives medals to people. That's the same thing, <laughs> right? That that like the meme of Obama giving Obama the medal. Like, what is that? What is that medal about? A presidential medal of freedom. Yeah, that feels about. like a knighthood. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's close. Uh, so this is the Walgreens. Uh, <laughs> Don't look at this side. It's haunting. <laughs> uh, this is the Walgreens red note. So I saw we had just recorded our podcast about the Johnny Ive British red nose and how it's like this British thing doesn't happen in America. And then I was just at Walgreens randomly and saw this by the register. And so I purchased one for $1 as a compare and contrast. <laughs> Pretty different. <laughs> I'm I'm assuming... Yeah, so to the people that do not see the video right now, it's just a foam. It's a squishy foam ball with a slit to put your nose into. It does a nice little detail. It has a kind of texture on the inside so that it it will kind of grip to your nose a little bit. Like they the mold on the mold, they put a little bit of a texture pattern there. But other than that, it's just like a very cheap foam ball i'm presuming this is kind of what yours were like you had foam like no. johnny ivor were they more rubbery no no long long time ago they they've we, there's been various designs throughout the years they've like had tried to have a thing like i actually i don't know if they were ever foam they were always like a rubber oh really um, they weren't like a they were open like, cell yeah. foam like a normal Mm-mm. Huh. Like they used to be like a rubber um more and they would do like different colors different designs huh. like there was there's always a thing as it kind of like as I said before like there was always a thing about it like it was very rarely I actually can't remember in my life it ever just being like a little foam red nose like that like just an, like an actual clown nose nose hmm. what a strange like why wouldn't they if they're going to the trouble of setting that all up why wouldn't they all do the thing that exists like it'd be really strange next year if the UK uses the the like love from nose and then they don't do it here. That seems just like weird. Like, why wouldn't <laughs> it's like, why? Who knows? I expect it probably won't be that love from those. Like not the one that there was before. They make new ones every year. So it encourages people to buy yeah. a new one every year. Well, but it's all mm-hmm. Johnny all the time over here. We just had the coronation. Johnny, <laughs> I've, I think we spoke about before designed the coronation seal. So I've been seeing that all over the place. 
Oh, and nice. uh, the book, the the Steve Jobs archive book, that's been making the rounds since mm. the last time we spoke. How did how did you score that? I can't say, but I but I have uh, I have a copy <laughs> that I flicked through, and I'm still intending to sit down and read it. But let's just say a kind beneficiary uh, sent me sent me a copy. Mm. So very nice, nice. Well. It's I uh, I I had a friend over who's who's a designer and I was like oh have you seen this like Johnny Ive red nose thing and he equally geeked out about it like I think it's a pretty universal like designer object. it's a great design <laughs> yeah. piece like it, it's it's very clever yeah. like it, it's super smart pretty good and I'm happy I was able to smuggle those yeah, in for you thank so you. you don't have to be so embarrassed wearing <laughs> that silly foam clown nose that's right. This. You gotta, you gotta start knighting people, and then like, then then you can use them for things like this. It's great. Yeah. If yeah. only, <laughs> if only, is that all of our follow up? Because we're not gonna do this Apple leak. It's up to you guys. That's a very short one. So this is in follow up to our uh, prediction last year. What are we setting the over under at for? Uh, Full screen iPhone, mm. no mm-hmm. no holes, no punch outs, everything under the screen. We set it at five and a half years. So I was delighted by this rumor that's saying 2027 is the timeline for everything under the display, which is five years from 2022 when we made the prediction. So hats off to us for setting a really good betting line, uh, setting the over under. Good. And so if they hit this uh, timeline, 2027, then that means Tom and Mike win the wager. And if it goes over, then. Okay. And and it's got to be camera and so just no hole, no hole. Yeah. Everything. Every. Yeah. No hole. Everything under the display. 2027 is the expectation right now based on like, I, I wouldn't call it a leak. It actually wasn't really a leak. It was just like an industry mm-hmm. analyst, uh, display analyst sharing his like expectations mm. based on supply chain. Mm-hmm. But the website yeah. that this came from, we'll just call everything a leak, whether it's a leak mm-hmm. or not, because that's just what their whole thing <laughs> is. Uh, it came from Boy Genius yeah. Report, which used to be like, an, like a, they used to have all the information and then it kind of became less that over time, I think. And there was just more reports on yeah. leaks. Um, but yeah, this, I saw this going around in a bunch of places, but it's just the idea that you know they're going to slowly move. Like we're going to have the pill shape cut out for a couple of years, and then it will be under panel face ID and a hole cut out, and then eventually everything under the display. Will anyone mm-hmm. care? That that will be yeah. the real question. Is by that time, are people going to be caring about it as much? I guess they probably will, but well. It's like one of those things where like historically Apple's always sold the most phones when the phone looks different and that will look different. Yeah. You know, like we have the dynamic mm-hmm. island now and I expect that that UI element will stick around yeah. it for a while. But like if, if, when they get rid of this, like the, I expect the dynamic island will not be there unless you need mm-hmm. it, right? So like the, most of the time mm-hmm. it's just full screen and then something might pop up or maybe they find some different way of animating that in or out like whatever the live activities Mm -hmm. will be at Mm -hmm. that time especially because in this Mm -hmm. idea of like the 2027 time frame there would still be on the regular phone some cutouts yeah yeah yeah, yeah. obviously the the two phones are staggered Mm -hmm. so 
We'll see. I mean, it's mm-hmm. clearly the it's clearly the logical place to go to. I mean, because at a certain point, I mean, honestly, once they've done this, I don't know how they're gonna make phones that look different from each other. Like yeah. once we get to this point where it's just all screen and it's just like it's as thin as it can be, no holes in the entire phone, nothing moves. It's just like this glass, yep. like steel and glass brick or whatever. Yeah. I mean, what were they? I feel like they'll just oscillate between rounded corners, square corners, <laughs> rounded corners. Like, like what? Are, I don't. I really don't know what they're yeah. gonna do. I guess maybe at that point, it's like finishes, right? But even then, people put cases on their phones. So what does that matter? It's gonna get commoditized. I mean, eventually, this will get yeah somewhat commoditized. You know what I mean? Like yeah, or just you know, we there's a precedent for this, and it's the laptop basically, where it's like we've pretty much figured out what a laptop is and you can change the radiuses. You can change how the edges are. You can change the material finish a little bit, but it's like, you're not blowing people's hair back with what you've done with the laptop. Like you've kind of figured it out. And it seems like we're, we're basically there. And when it becomes full screen, we crossed that bridge like five, 10 years ago with the iPhone or not 10 years, five years ago. Right. But that solves, that solves the like, the problem from a designer's perspective but when like 55 percent of your revenue every quarter is an iphone like you need to sell new iphones and like yeah yeah i mean we talked about this uh i don't know if it was last show or two shows ago about how it's like even for you know enthusiast people like myself it's like i'm not even really considering buying an iphone this year and mine's already a year you know a generation old and so i think that's gonna that's slowly becoming the new norm is longer and longer time so uh, yeah i think they're gonna have to account for that and i mean i yeah i don't know what the solution is because it's yeah they're thirsty for that vr headset i mean that's what it is yeah yeah i mean that's new product line i mean honestly like new form factors do it for them right so when yeah. they go bigger so maybe they're just hoping like yeah, folding, like folding by 2027 20, and then like now we don't have to worry about it for another 10 yeah. years because every year we'll just have a new folding phone design yeah we can reset right like and they'll just keep rolling it out that way yeah so then the standard phones are just going to be there for when people want them every three years but then the enthusiasts are dropping two grand a year on the new folding phone yeah this is one of those things that just like breaks my brain about companies of this scale and what it means to have investors and shareholders and this idea of kind of like grow, like it has to keep growing. It's just like, what is so bad about just selling X number of iPhones every year and that just staying the same? Because it's a public company. Like, why it's can't literally that be? How it works. Okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying is... It seems totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> the question I'll ask you is like our last episode was focused on like you guys growing, right? So like mm-hmm. you have a reason to want to grow like company and like their reason is different to yours, right? But like at a certain point, mm-hmm. their reason was probably the same as yours was. And so like if Studio Neat got to the point where you could put it on the stock market, you'll do it, right? Like you'll IPO and then like, yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. That that is such a yeah. But we're not where the. I guess my point is like, and we talked about this last show is like we are in a growth phase right now. But like, I would be fine mm-hmm. plateauing 
and and it was like a plateau that we were like satisfied with like staying mm-hmm. at a plateau for like 10 years or like longer it's like oh this revenue is yep. good this is sustainable we're pleased yep. with our income we're pleased with our work-life balance like we could grow we don't need growth like we can stay as long as we're not going down like we can stay steady but it's like yeah companies with public uh you know a public company with shareholders and all this stuff, it's like, you're not allowed to stop, like stay steady. And it's like, oh man, that seems really hard. <laughs> so like, just keep going. Like we're talking about it right now. It's like, how do you keep making the iPhone? You know, I think there are companies that are allowed to stay steady. They're just not growth, high growth, like tech stocks. And so the price, the stock would get repriced and yeah. it would go down, but then it might stay there. So, I mean, you know, five years is a long time and yeah. 10 years is a super long time. So, you know, who knows? Uh, but I'm sure that they all know it's like that's why they want a VR headset or some new product category because it's like they know, mm-hmm. you know they know what's going on obviously yeah. well, it's like is you yeah. know like I talk about this forever but it is the services thing right? yeah like that's what services yep. were created for mm-hmm. because it continues to be an area of Apple's uh, charts that c- just goes up yep. like it just goes up and it, they mm-hmm. don't have anything else like that anymore they have things that stay around the same or go down which is what they just did a co- had a couple of days ago like huge like you know year over year differences in some product lines the iphone stayed around the same mm-hmm. the services went up it was like and so that's why they keep doing it that's why we keep paying for more services keep pumping out more content like realistically for apple you know it doesn't matter if the tv shows make money they just they have so much money <laughs> spinning off from everything else <laughs> put it into that and then it keeps wall street happy like yeah Weird. Weird. Wall Street. Talking about pricing of things. (laughs) Pricing of things. Yeah, we've had as a evergreen topic for the longest time uh, in our little notes, shared notes document here. The idea of 99 cent pricing and just what I mean by that is, you know, ending a price of something with 99 cents. Mm -hmm. And... This is something we have never done. And for my reasoning is just it's well, it like looks cleaner and nicer. And then, you know, I I did not like the the implication of it, which is this like psychological trick of like, I'm going to make I'm going to lower the price a penny and make it look Mm -hmm. much cheaper than it actually is. But we had no there's a reason people do it, right? Like it must work to some degree, but I, there's no hard evidence of like, does this actually work or, or not? Does it work? But how well does it work? And is it worth the trade off of doing it the other way? And what are you signaling by doing it the other way, by having these clean, respectful <laughs> prices where it's just, it is what it is. There's no tricks, there's no games. And so like, I felt pretty good about that decision but if someone presented to me uh, hard evidence that was like, oh, you're leaving 300% of <laughs> sales on the table by not doing, you know, this, this trick, uh, this pricing trick, I could potentially be convinced otherwise. But anyways, this kind of sat in our evergreen topics for a while. And then recently something came up that uh, validated kind of the way we've been doing things where it was uh substack had uh 
experimented with pricing and they had, I think that, I guess they had started at $10 and then they went down to $9 and 99 cents and they saw a decline in side in side ups, which is kind of the opposite thing you would think might happen. And then Ben Thompson chimed in and he, I'll quote this directly. He says, this seemed obvious to me when I priced Stratechery $10 at the beginning you're selling your reputation and asking readers to trust that you will deliver what you promise. So why would you be even slightly deceptive in your pricing? And so that this kind of thing popping up in the news kind of codified for me that it's like, I feel good about our strategy and I'm not, I'm not even kind of mildly tempted to like kind of try to go the other I way. I wonder if part of this Substack thing is <clears throat> to me when it's $10, uh, and people, the, you know, Substack, it's like, Hey, you're supporting this person, right? You're like subscribing to this independent creative person and you're supporting them. Uh, $9.99 feels like a product and $10 feels like a tip mm-hmm. or a donation. And I wonder if that's part of the difference is like mm-hmm. the $9.99 just makes it feel like a product. It's not like, Oh, you're trying to trick me Substack. It's like, Oh, you've turned it into a product rather than a donation to like a person. And that, I don't know, maybe to me that feels like that could be a big part of it too. Not just this like one cent thing. I don't know, it's hard to, it's like hard to tell, you know? Yeah, I think I saw in the threads somewhere, I might be misremembering it, but I think I saw some feedback was like people saying the 9.99 felt like yet another Netflix subscription, like yet another recurring Mm -hmm. thing that's kind of, piled onto the heap whereas the ten dollars didn't feel like that i think just like the lesson of all of this is pricing sends a signal and pricing is a part of the design of the product like it's all decisions you can make that say something about what you're trying to what do you think mike so well my my gut my gut is similar to yours but i do have like a Secondary thing, which I just feel like it's been popping into my life a lot recently, where it's like, I'd really love to know exactly how they tested this because like, Mm -hmm. if they just change the pricing one week to the next, like that is an, like you cannot replicate that and get the same results. Like there can be so many external factors that could have changed the pricing one week or the next, depending on who it was, they would, right? Like the, the, the Mm -hmm. link itself is like Mm -hmm. to a private sub stack is where it goes to. And you know, it's just, it's about i think it's four people that are on substack can read the the lab information and it's like i'm sure they did tests that they were happy with but at the same time this does also feel like one of those things where you would run this test once and you would find that oh we can actually charge more and you never run it again so like i I mean you know Mm. but that's what these kinds of things are people run tests and then they just roll with it but realistically i Mm -hmm. think i I wouldn't want to do a 99 cents for something like this, you know, like for content for professionals by professionals, which like a lot of what Substack mm-hmm. is like, you don't, you know, nickel and dime yeah. people in that way. That's the word I was about to say. Yeah. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm writing something that you want to read maybe for entertainment or some professional curiosity or whatever. But I am like, you know, I'm not your bargain basement run-of-the-mill content creator kind of thing it's confidence in the value yeah it, it's projecting like hey yeah like i'm not gonna you know this is valuable i think it's valuable you know i'm not gonna mm-hmm. yeah but to follow on from what you were saying at minute and like i've been thinking about this a lot recently too about 
just like how pricing is part of the design where mm-hmm. you can make decisions in the design process around luxury based upon a price point that you want to hit and so like if you're thinking about price the whole way along and you're not just pricing at the end which you shouldn't do right like i feel like you don't just price something at the end oh this is what it costs to make it's like oh you now no one's gonna buy your product it's a hundred dollars a unit like but uh it is part of the design process because it if you're thinking about it properly it can inform the decisions that you would have to make during the whole thing right Mm -hmm. but again like i agree with that i think in the types of stuff that we make the types of areas that we're in whole number pricing is good right mm-hmm. do, what do you think about um because like i've been trying to and i've been playing around with and like when looking at my pricing of like not round numbers though so like not 25 it might be 27 mm-hmm. what do you think about that yeah it's a feel thing yeah like you don't have a feeling for like it has to be on the five or whatever uh no not necessarily yeah but there are times when uh i think it does matter so like it's funny because we often have these discussions all the time the difference between 16 and 18 and that that we're in that discussion we know we need to be in that neighborhood but we but like there's a difference there and we might do one or the other depending on kind of what's going on and so it's not like 20 it's like oh we want it under 20 like we'll definitely say things like oh we should try to keep this under 100 or try to keep it under 20 because that feels like a different thing so in some ways we are like playing the game like we are thinking about what the customer is thinking and trying to uh, manipulate in some ways right so it's not like we're completely innocent um because there there could be a way to do pricing where you're like extremely transparent you're like this is what it costs to make this is the margins and it's like it's uh 93 dollars and 42 cents exactly you know what i mean like you could go a very like engineering way (laughs) I think the I think it's like I, I just had this conversation with my wife today. There's a there's a nice coffee chain in London, and they don't they don't do paper cups anymore, like at all, right? So you have to have a reusable cup. But if you go there and you don't bring a reusable mm-hmm. cup, they'll sell you a reusable cup. But the reusable cup is seven mm-hmm. pounds, which I think. Is too much. Is it a, pla- is it a right? plastic? For, like, what is it? Plastic? Kind of like a plasticky cup, and it's got like a, a rubber lid on. Okay. And I, I, I think that mm-hmm. I, I don't know that they're making a profit on this cup, but I think they, they might be making a they profit are. on this cup, right? Like, I, I feel like I know this, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, but I. D- so, like, the conversation we were having was like, well, that kind of annoys me. Because it's like we've removed mm-hmm. the paper cups. You come to the store. It's a very popular coffee chain. Like, it's it's considered one of the great uh, like places to get coffee in London. So like people come to London, they'll they'll know of this place, right? It's in like high traffic areas. They're gonna go to it. And I've seen going in there multiple tourists absolutely confounded at the fact that to buy there is cup. no cup for their yeah. coffee. Like they don't understand it, right? Yeah. And I kind of feel like yeah. it annoys me because it's like. 
the decision that you've taken is an environmental one, right? Like that's the decision. So like, I would want to think that you're not making any money on these cups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're going to be altruistic, why don't you be altruistic? Mm-hmm. I have a huge bone yeah. to pick with that. Or the money you make on these cups is going to some kind of charity, right? But like, yeah. I've never seen something that seems to suggest yeah. this. But like, it was, I don't even know how I got on this tangent now, but like, the, <laughs> but like the, I think it's like in the idea of like setting the price is correctly, all right? That was kind of where I was thinking of like, I'm not sure mm-hmm. that I don't believe that they've set the price correctly for that thing where like yeah. the reusable cup, unless they're like, oh, we want to discourage people from ever buying our reusable cups and they should like, what? But like, I just think it's like too And expensive. herein lies the, I think herein lies the challenge is there's a huge disconnect between the consumer and the like business owner designer in terms of maybe they are losing money on those plastic cups. You don't know. Maybe they like mm-hmm. got some fancy plastic cup that's recycled plastic or bioplastic and then the lid is like fancy and they're actually losing money. But because there's a disconnect in knowledge and understanding and they're not communicating it well, you don't know. So you can make assumptions and most people will make a wrong mm-hmm. assumption or a bad, a negative assumption about a business, right? And so we run into this all the time when like pricing stuff at Studio Neat because we try to imagine like, we price things in a very particular way that feels like honest and straightforward. But if we think that the customer would not expect it to be that expensive, it like makes us second guess everything because of that disconnect. Like, oh, people are not gonna like think that this is, you know, <laughs> they're not gonna be like, oh, I know why this is expensive because this process is expensive or this coding or whatever. So it's a it's a it's a real challenge and we are like in the middle of this, we are like right in the middle right now of this exact problem with like a new product we're developing where it's, um, it's a product where we could make some choices and make it cheaper, but it's not as good of a product. Um, and we think it's like to make it better, we would have to spend more money on like the materials and the processes and then price it at a higher price point for retail. And it gets very tricky sometimes. Sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's really difficult. Um, And often it comes down to like the rules that we have internally made as a company for like how we should approach pricing, right? And so this gets very tricky because not only is it like a consumer sentiment like design problem it's also like an internal company values thing and then just like dan and i's feeling about what we expect someone to pay for it or like what feels right and so it's a often we don't have a huge problem but in this one in particular it's been a real uh a real stickler (laughs) it's it's like we've gone back and forth a lot uh on it because I know that this product you've been talking about for a while and it feels like you've been on the precipice of launching it. And I assume the main reason you haven't put the Kickstarter up now is because of this. It's the pricing. Yeah. So we, yes. I mean, when it comes down to it, yes. Like we kind of. designed it one way. Mm-hmm. We knew it was going to be a higher end thing. Um, and then we did some more experimenting and we're like, hey, if if we do this to it, if we make it out of state, if we make it out of all stainless steel, it's gonna feel better. Every time someone picks it up, it's gonna feel better. 
but it wouldn't yeah. look any different. Like if I showed you two pictures of it, you would not know, right? And it's something that if you, if I gave you two of them, you would it would be clear which one you would like better. Like one is just nicer feeling. But it's hard to communicate that. It's like, how well can we communicate that to the customer, right? And ch- making that material change puts us in some ways in a different price category. But at the end of the day, the thing even is expensive, quote unquote, for, the, for this type of object. It's kind of pricey to begin with. So you get into this like world of like, okay, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just very hard. It's just very tricky. Um, and the thing that makes it, I think in particularly so pernicious is that bit about what rules do we use as a company to set pricing? And this might require a little bit of a like somewhat technical explanation, but the way that we try to approach things in general is we figure out what the cost to make something is. Let's say it's $10 to make it. And then we follow the kind of industry standard and what we found to work for us, which is we then set the retail price at four times the cost to make it, right? So if it was $10, it would be $40. Now, here's the thing that gets like a little tricky. Let's say we wanted to make a change and it actually cost $11 instead of $10 to make that thing. Do we follow the same formula and say, oh, okay, well, it's $44, or do we make it $41 or do we make it 40 and just like not change it? And so at the end of the day, like the actual money we make after like you pay for ads and like shipping and assembly and like all this stuff, the like it, it kind of, it doesn't matter in some ways, but at the same time, we know that following that like margins rule of like 4X or 400% or three to 400% just has worked for us and it, it's like an industry standard and yeah. there's reasons for it, right? There's all kinds of things down the line. It's like contingency. It's like insurance basically. And so it's really tricky when you're, you're wanting to, we try to sell something for as cheap as we can, basically. Um, like we try to make it for as cheap as we can and still have a really good product. And then therefore it's like, we can price it as cheap as we can because we think that'll get more people in the, to be able to buy it. But let's say we're making a thing that costs uh, $25 to make cost of goods, right? Or we could make this change and it costs $5 more. So you're looking at either $100 or $120, depending on, like, if we do that 4X thing. And then, but let's say actually the real numbers are like 90 or 110. And at that point, it feels like there's a big difference on the customer side. Like, should I buy this thing that's 110 or should I buy this thing that's 90? And so then you're like, oh, well, that's, that seems like a big, so maybe we make the thing, we sell it for 90, even though it costs, you know, $30 and it's five less dollars of profit for us at the end of the day, but maybe we would make it up and selling more of them because it's not over a hundred dollars, right? It's like this, it's like this big carousel you're on. Um, and it's just interesting. We're like, we've never had the magic combination of like price thresholds and cost of goods where it really feels like it matters. Like with this product, it feels like the changes we would make to make it, to have it cost more, the changes seem important. Like it seems like it really is a good thing for the product to make it more expensive. But if we do that and we follow our rules internally as a company, it's going to be over a hundred bucks, like pretty well over a hundred bucks. And so it's like this, yeah, but it's tricky. 
why is that a bad number? Like, is a hundred bucks a bad number for you? Like, why is that a Good bad Good question. Number? I wish I knew. I wish I knew exactly. Because I don't think it is, right? Like, <laughs> didn't you just... What was, how much was the Mark 1 that you yeah, just Yeah, so we did this. So, and this is, I think, part what's, like, influencing us is we just... We did a limited edition Mark 1 purple sparkly one the purple one and yeah. we were going through the same exact problem of like oh if we do this the coating is very expensive and it will push this pin over 100 it'll be like 120 bucks we did it and it sold well so we're like okay awesome um the question is and what this brings us for us like going forward is like are we going to make products into the future where we're kind of somewhat uncompromising on product and durability and like what we think is right and just let the prices reflect that or do we go a little bit lower market where we think more people would buy it but we're making some product compromises it's still good stuff but it's just like a different kind of product and so so for this product you have coming up if it's just material changes that would well, by and large, so okay. once once we got thinking about this, we could even make it cheaper. Like if we went, we because we we're just like, okay, maybe we go, we change the finishes, and it could even get cheaper, right? And then yeah. it really turns into it feels like we've been making compromises, uh, really making compromises. But because I would wonder if for this product at, at, during the Kickstarter, you could offer two materials. No. And see, no. It's not well, possible. we could, right? But, but we complex. would have to fulfill both, and that feels that feels waffly to me. Like we, like we need to make the best choice as far as we are concerned. Well, you know? I mean, I would say always go better materials, because like, then it's just the, the, the then because then the 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 price becomes a marketing challenge. That's all it is, right? And like, mm-hmm. if you're able to effectively talk about why the materials you've chosen result in a better product, like that's kind of all you've got to do, right? Like you sell expensive pens. Like, yeah, this isn't new. Fundamentally, like mm-hmm. I know you've heard it, I've heard it. I could just go to the store and get this. It's like, you can do that. Like I, I welcome yeah. it, right? <laughs> go buy a legal pad and turn it on its side and put it underneath your keyboard. Like go for it. Like that's totally fine. I welcome you to do it. But like there are different things that can exist in a market. Yeah. And like the products that you make, the products that I make, they are more expensive than the cheap things in the market. Like I would say that if you feel like you have a much better product at the higher price point, I feel like you should just do it. Because then it's just about communicating why it being made out of this and this results in a a better experience. Because that's what like the whole product, like I know what the product is, but like the, the whole idea is just like, as with most of your things, we have made something and designed something that is a better experience than the thing you're currently using. Yeah. And this just lines into that story, right? It does. But also the thing that weighs less than different materials, like aluminum instead of stainless steel, is also really good. It's, you know, we were going, it was like, it's really good. It's So it is, we have to, I think, and we both, Dan and I both think, we have to be looking out. We have to be as responsible as we can with the pricing. Like, I think if we start going down the road of like, who cares about cost? We'll just design what we want 
It will price it as it needs to be, and who cares? That starts to feel like luxury brand or something territory. Mm-hmm. And I think there's actually, I mean, I've, I know I've said this before, but I think there, my, I have some faith that the customer might not be able to describe why something is priced fairly, but I think they can kind of tell. And I think if we start messing with that, it's like not good. And so it's this introspection of like really making sure that we're doing the thing that's like quote worth it or whatever. It's just a, you know, I mean, we've made the decision to make the more expensive thing. Good. But reflecting on the kind of rules and assumptions we have made and set ourselves up with to get there, it is, I think, worth reflecting. And it's like an interesting discussion. In particularly, that rule set around like, oh, how do you set your retail price? Oh, you take your cost of goods sold and you do 4X. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a rule that's somewhat arbitrary. And, um, you know, like, for instance, if we were making a thing, it costs- I didn't know that rule. You told me that rule. I had no idea about that rule. <laughs> I'm just I'm making it up as I go along, man. <laughs> it's called like keystone pricing. I mean, it's like, but again, a lot of those rules are from like yeah. retail, like all, like old, not e-commerce and all this stuff, right? But it makes sense, right? Because especially with retail, you have to do that. So you, yeah. if you're putting it to retailers, there's money left for you at the end, right? Because yeah, the margins yeah, yeah. are so huge if you're going into retail. Yeah. But now the retailer is just ad spend. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, like it, you know, it causes us a lot of money right now to, to for cost of acquisition, right? And so, and and fulfilling yourself, right? Yeah, well, we're, we're not doing that, but yeah, like if, but like arranging your own fulfillment is a cost, right? Where like if you were selling into yeah. a retailer, you don't have to worry about that part. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So like the, exactly. this this yeah. world of smaller right. companies, yeah. Yeah. like the what would have been that 20, 30, 40% that the retailer took is money we have to spend in the, all the places that we we need to fill yeah. that a retailer would have felt rather than uh, as well as just yeah. not having their profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. Because the argument, let's say let's say we're making a thing that costs $1,000 to make and I, we don't need $3,000 of profit on that, right? Like we could probably, I'm guessing, you could probably sell it for like 2,500 bucks and sell you know, if it costs 1,000 and be perfectly fine because there's just a lot of, it's not like it has to, it's not like a perfectly linear thing. Well, this is that relatives versus absolutes problem, right? And like... Exactly. It's like, are we looking mm-hmm. for a dollar amount of margin? Like, let's say we have to make 30 bucks on everything we sell, or is it a percentage? And I know there's probably someone who mm-hmm. could like break down a business case for either, right? And so it's really just like, but for us, because we think so much about pricing during the entire product design and ideation process, these rules of like how we set retail pricing super matter. Yeah. Because if we make different rules or whatever, it's going to change what we do in the future or what we don't do or whatever. So we've just never been confronted, I think, so um, where it almost felt like it could mm-hmm. go either way. And like, it, you know, and the way we eventually got there, though, was just like, okay, we need to make both samples are like, test this like weight issue, test this thing. And and when we're just going to know, like by feeling it basically what's the best, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting, um, 
It's an interesting game. And, and, and the thing that complicates this is we're kind of playing in different waters now because I would say in the past, uh, repeat customers in our existing audience were like a bulk of the sales that would come in on a launch. But that may not be the case now, right? We're like It's harder to sell a new customer on something which is more expensive than everything else in the market. Yeah. Right. It's harder. Okay, because they have to have all this faith yep. built mm-hmm. up that you're mm-hmm. And so but then on the other hand, I got this I, sometimes I you know, one argument we were playing around with was like, oh, uh, maybe if a thing costs hundred and ten dollars versus eighty, it's saying to the market, Hey, this is this is like pricey and it's pricey because it's good. Like it, it puts it in a different place. It's kind of saying like, hey, yeah, and yes, this is pricey. I would believe that it was good. Like if I if I saw an Instagram ad for something that that looks interesting and I went through mm-hmm. and I saw it was $100, I might buy it, I might not. But I, if I could see that this is an existed, like this is a company that has existed, right? Like I might do a little chat, like, oh yeah, yeah, I can see like they've got a lot of Instagram followers, right? Like they, they say they have a lot of products. Like I'm going to believe mm-hmm. that this $110 whatever is good because of their experience yeah it does something to the brand right it says a lot about the brand oh Mm -hmm. they've survived selling this stuff it must Mm -hmm. be worth it somehow right yeah and Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. it's um i mean this is the you know i'm sure this is like the problem right this is the marketing Mm -hmm. product problem that's as old as time but um i think it's you know and, and going back to this 99 cent thing it's like all this stuff is kind of smushed together in the same thing you know and i would say dan would you say that like if we were i don't think we would ever price something at like 109 dollars ever we would go 110 105 we would never go 109 i don't think right dan yeah i guess mostly for aesthetic reasons (laughs) i guess or it just feels um feels like 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 cheap somehow like you're niggling over like a dollar like oh is it uh, you know it it just feels yeah yeah 109 dollars just like does not exist in the marketplace like as a price. i bet it does though i bet like you know it's, <laughs> yeah. I, no so what do you think about apple doing yeah. like 299 yeah so that's it's interesting there's like tiers of uh Tears of betrayal or tears of uh, <laughs> like uh, trickery. Whereas 299 is one thing, 299.99 is like another thing. And then I suppose the next tier is like nine tenths of a cent that like gas stations do. <laughs> um, but so I'm with Apple, it's like, it, I mean, it's probably the right thing to do. And I'm glad they don't do the 99 cents. Like, 99 cents just feels so incredibly rude. It's just like... Well, they do it in the app store. <laughs> they do. That's true. Yeah. It's but like that, 1% it's of the... Yeah. 99. Mm-hmm. That, it's the same for a dollar thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think the app store would look cleaner if it was like one, yeah. two, three, you know, like as the, the prices you see. Uh, but... Um, yeah, so it's not great, but I think by ha- by not having the trailing 99 cent, like at least they have that. At least it's a little yeah. bit. They can just show a dollar amount without a decimal like on their product pages and stuff. So, I don't know. It is funny because in March they they did 
they changed the pricing options so you can have round numbers. Like you can do mm. like every in the app 10 store. cents. Yeah, in the app store. I mm. have never seen an app use it mm. yet. I have yet to come across yeah. an app that has the rounded pricing. Yeah, that everyone's doing the yeah. 99. Like you could do $1.90, mm. but no one's doing it. Which is just, I find that very funny. Like, they have they have loads and loads of they have nine hundred new price points yeah. they introduced right for more flexible pricing, but like I've yet to come. <laughs> I'm sure that people are using it. I've just yet to come across it in a way that it stood out to me. Yeah, of of all the app store features that people yep. have been begging for, it seems like that would be a pretty low priority. I need ten cent increments. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to charge one dollar forty, and it's been frustrating me forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's very uh I mean it must work. I mean it feels like Apple would be the comp- the large company that would be like let's make this 300 instead of 299. It feels so like gross. That it must be quite effective. Yeah. Well, what's interesting also as like a flip side to this uh I remember seeing uh an Aaron Draplin talk or something or he was on a podcast. I think it was like a talk he was giving. And he, this is a very like Aaron Draplin, like kind of blue collar, like argument, but he was like, I hate when I like go to a restaurant and see a menu and it's just like a seven. He's Uh like, that's pretentious. You know, it's like he was interpreting like a snobbery from the even prices versus, you know, the like 99 cents. So again, Mm -hmm. it's like pricing is a signal. Like it's saying something it might not be saying what you wanted to say, but it is. So Dan, here's a very something. real question. Uh, we asked the real question, so thoroughly considered. The yeah. real question, <laughs> hard hitting. Pano, uh, Pano Pad, it's twenty dollars. What if we did an A/B test and we did nineteen dollars versus twenty dollars? What level of conversion rate increase would it take for us to switch to nineteen versus twenty? One percent. Any change, I'm in, baby. Um, uh, I don't know. Would it be double? Oh, double for sure. I mean, but again, it's like weirdly, it's like yes, nineteen dollars versus twenty dollars. That's certainly playing the game, but that is not as egregious to me as nineteen ninety nine versus twenty. Like it's okay. It's let's just go thing. all the way. Nineteen ninety nine versus twenty dollars. Yeah. Almost certainly that would be worth it. Almost certainly we would get a, what is that? A half a percent increase in conversion rate bump with that. Almost certainly. What level though would it be worth damaging the band, quote unquote, damaging the brand to do it? Yeah. That is the question. I don't know. I feel like it'd have to be pretty high. And also this is like a weird vacuum because it's like, wait, is that our only product that ends in 99 cents? It's just like sticking out there. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. yeah, I'm just saying like, we go all the way. Like, like what if we found out it increased by like 40% conversion rate, which seems impossible. Yeah. I mean, 40% would be, yeah, that would be hard to argue with. I'm going to, this show is known for predictions. Dubious. <laughs> we make lots of predictions on this show. Mark I'm making a prediction. Within 18 months of now, you will be adjusting your pricing away from whole numbers. Really? And I reckon you'll do this because you will learn something from all of the data-driven data media placement that you're doing. Yeah. Like, 
at a certain point, mm. you'll only have a few more dials to tweak and those dials will be pricing. the pricing <laughs> dials. And then you'll see if it will increase mm. your conversion. Yep. So I reckon within 18 months, okay. either you will do it or the company that you're working with will recommend you yep. try it and you try it and you do it like on Panopad and Panopad goes to the moon. Dan's writing you know? it down. He loves his predict- predictions. So I, I reckon yeah. you're going to do it. J- just because I think you're on that trajectory that like you'll start you know like i don't think you'll do necessarily 99 but you might go from like 20 dollars to 19 or 20 to yeah. 18 not 90 not in the cents department but in the dollars yeah. department not in the cents department but oh, not yeah. even just so much that you're making price changes but you are making price changes based on the fact that you're doing more paid media placement yeah so what's interesting though is like we're all just making ex- assumptions right it's like oh everyone does 99 cents like this must work it's what everyone does everyone wants to make the most money like this is the thing that works and but interestingly i mean there's like the sub stack thing but it's like we you know we've been now in this world of like the paid media and like talking with people and getting strategies and there's discount codes you can do there's pop-up email sign up lists and like uh, you know there's like plenty of strategies some of them legit some of them pretty shady feeling and i feel like like oh you got to get your prices 99 cent down 99 cents like what are you doing like that's not yeah. even been mentioned or i haven't even like read that anywhere as like oh you, of course this is step one is like you have to have your prices like end in 99 um and maybe it's because it's so obvious and everyone's doing it anyways like you don't even have to mention it but i actually am kind of is this like a myth i'm a little bit dubious of even the whole like yeah. argument that that is like a thing that that actually moves the needle um, like I think people can see with their eyes and see the price and do the math of like twenty four ninety nine is twenty five, or even if they think it's twenty four ninety nine, it's that's they know how much money that is. Like, so I'm like kind of dubious that this even works in general. Well, I wonder if it is that thing going back to what you're saying about Aaron Draplin, that like that there might be the majority of people that see a round number price and be like, "What are you doing? What's that?" Like because it's just strange. Yeah. Like in yeah. the general marketplace, yeah. to see. You go to a grocery store, you will not find many products that are around. No, like no. you could probably count them. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like on two hands. Like yeah. everything is 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 done. There. Yeah, they're usually not ninety nine either. They're usually you know yeah. twenty four. You know, like it's it's a or ninety five yeah. or like whatever. But like whatever that they're priced that way for like these very specific calculations based upon probably yeah. sometimes flawed data. But like they they settle on a number and they they go with it right and like. I would expect that for like if you you know the the bigger a product gets the weirder it is to see just round number pricing on it so here's something that I would say the one thing Mm. that I have that's one of the most feedbacky things that has stuck out to me after like talking to people who see e-commerce sites all day like well I had a call today with someone who like literally all they do is just like look at e-commerce sites all day sometimes they say oh your site doesn't even look like an e-commerce site or a shop they say it doesn't look like a Shopify site and, but they say it looks really good. And I think it's because, A, we made our own template, but it's like we're bucking these trends of like, the, even seeing the sense, like the price is just like a really clear, like nice type, like mm-hmm. 20, you know, 20 with the buy button, right? And so I think that that effect of like the single thing on the menu, like that brand effect is like, I think we have a lot more of that than we than we 
probably think in terms of just like weird, subtle things that maybe someone couldn't exactly explain why it feels so different, but it like really feels different. And so I worry like when you're saying like, oh, in 18 months, you'll like switch to these things. We easily could, but it is super, I don't think anyone would ever be able to tell us how much value we have built up by doing things a little bit differently over time. And maybe that's not scalable or something, but I think it's like this weird soft thing where it's like, we got to be really careful that we don't like destroy the thing that's like beautiful about the brand. And it's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, I, the, I have clung to this like even pricing thing for so long because to me it's in a perfect alignment with what we are trying to signal with our brand, which is we're honest, we're thoughtful, like we care about the details. We respect you like as a customer, like we care about you. Like these are these signals that we're sending with the price are directly aligned with what we want people to, what we want customers to feel about our brand. And so again, design is a compromise. Everything is a trade-off. Like what are we giving up if we, you know, do get this higher conversion, but we've also been straight up wrong. We've been wrong. Like think about this whole debate that we had on the show about the like pre-checked email box. Mike, I don't know if we've updated you. Like it's over 90% of people sign up for the newsletter. Like everyone leaves it checked. It's checked by default, but 90% of people keep it checked and don't uncheck it. And the open rate on the like email we send right after we're just being like, after our first purchase is like high and good. So we were worrying. Because, right, but this is that idea of like, we all suffer from this. What you think your brand is. Yeah. What people think your brand is. And like Mm -hmm. your brand Mm -hmm can be all of the things you know it to be, but it stops at a certain yeah. point. And like the idea that you don't want that, like that people, uh, like we have in our minds, like, oh, oh they're not going to read our emails. Mm-hmm. It's like, why wouldn't they? They think of you as a brand, like every other brand they've ever gotten yeah. an email it's from. It's not like, weird. don't care. No. Mm-hmm. And like the same of like, mm-hmm. oh, like you for you, it is like super important that your prices are 10, 15, 20, 25. And like, that's if you change it to 26, someone's gonna be like, What the <laughs> hell is this? But like, I would guarantee you, no one Cares. even knows. Yeah. But like, there are, but there mm-hmm. are things that it informs though, right? Where it's like, you are be by not doing that 0.99, which probably people don't care about, you are making the decision of like, we are trying our best to price fairly. And like, how that comes out is like, someone buys a thing from you, they receive it, they're like, This was really good for the money I paid yep. for it. Which, like, if you were trying mm-hmm. to, like, extract every possible cent, you would just keep putting up the prices until people stop buying. Yeah. Like, you know, for, as the feedback mm-hmm. that I've given you forever, Brad's given you forever, the Mark One is easily a $100 pen. Like, you could have come into the market, sold mm-hmm. it for $100, and people that really care about pens would have, like, been like, yeah, this is a $100 pen. Mm-hmm. But what you've done mm-hmm. by keeping it way less than that is the people that get it are like, I've got a steal on this pen, right? Because like I think people buy it and they're mm-hmm. like, this was fantastic for the money that I paid. And then they're in, right? But like, so that's where, mm-hmm. because you're not like infinitely tweaking the prices forever 
and like doing the point ninety nine. How does that do for a week? Let's do it to ninety eight. See how that does. Like that's where the brand part is. Mm-hmm. But it's I don't think that if you charged, if you did change the pano pad to nineteen dollars, I don't think people will come be like, what is this bargain basement website? Like I don't yeah. think people would feel that no. way. You <laughs> no. know, they just wouldn't. Yeah. But it's it's about like as you say, where is the there are like there are there are two lines right of like what the customer thinks of you and what you think of the your brand and what the customer will think of you and there is typically quite mm-hmm. a, a gap between those things I yeah think. yeah and maybe in some ways that might be good you know it's kind yeah. of the like la 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 I don't want to hear because I know I'm have a lot of conviction that a lot of our superpower is just like opinion like opinionated design doing it a little bit differently like. Sometimes it's probably a negative and sometimes it's a positive, but I think on like on balance, it's the, it's probably the a thing to, that, that is good to do in the long term. And so I think the only negative is product speed, right? It's like development speed, right? Yeah. And I know I feel this way too. Like if I cared less, I get products out faster. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. I, if I didn't care so much, <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't take me two years to make a notepad. Yeah. Like I could do it in six months, right? Like, yeah. 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 So it's, you know, again, I, I would be good. It would be good to get some data and like know at least some of this stuff. Um, but again, it is a little bit danger zone too. You know, it is like a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. One one little uh, when you mentioned the speed of product development, one thing that's I think really changed for Dan and I in our mindset with this is. You know, prior to this ad spend stuff, we were somewhat or we were dependent on product launches. Like product launches were part of the balance sheet every year for to to make it work out. Uh, We are trying to get to and I think are pretty close to. The business is sustainable without product launches. And then product launches are just like extra. And what that does is it really it even puts less pressure on the timing for product launches in terms of like, oh, we got to get this out, then we got to get this out. And I don't, we haven't exactly landed on if that's really true or what, but there's it's been interesting having that change of like, oh, okay, we can like let this simmer a little bit more. Um, so that's like a, one really, I would say that's one of them. That's probably the biggest change from a product development design point of view that the like paid ads thing has brought to the business is just it's almost like it's allowing you to do the thing that you actually really want yeah. to do which is like to give it time yeah, like not rush but before things. if you gave it too much time the business would go away yeah. so like there was a point where you had to be like we have to stop <laughs> <Yeah>. now <laughs> right like we have to stop now and <laughs> can go bad too it's beneficial in of itself right if you carry on tinkering forever it will yeah. never come out yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 exactly so it's yeah. not like we can just go full on like whatever mm-hmm. no deadlines but um mm-hmm. <laughs> which we have said before but uh but it is, it is different. Like, for instance, with this particular product that we're talking about, with this pricing change thing, I bet if we weren't doing this paid ads, we would have, we probably would have already launched it. And maybe we would have made this decision, but it would have, we would have gone faster. Now we're like doing some other tests, getting some new samples. Like, we're just like, let, we're just like letting the process unfold a little bit more. And I don't know if we would have before, because I don't think we'll learn anything huge from this delay we're doing we will have we will have better marketing resources 
Mm-hmm. We'll be able to like send it to people and be like, hey, here's this thing we're going to launch to feel it. Like, so it's good, but I don't know if we're going to, from a design point of view, learn much, but it will be a better launch because of it. And having that yeah. timing in is like, is I think good. <laughs> Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Knee. You can find out more about this episode by going to relay.fm slash tc slash 98.